It's Morphin' Time. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. fan dan pierce welcome dan stay tuned and keep on listening folks uh also joining me we have melody Akles, who i didn't realize was a power ranger fan until recently on a podcast so welcome mel go go power ranger hi how's everyone i'm doing pretty good we've all watched the movie um Let's take and get first impressions quick takes. Dan, as someone who hosted a Power Rangers podcast, I'll let you go first. What is your quick take on Power Rangers the movie? My jaw was on the floor by the end of it. I was so happy that it was so good because I was so hesitant because Power Rangers is a brand that can be all over the map in terms of quality and stuff. But this film delivered in every facet. It... it dove into the characters it expanded on the familiarity of the characters but it kept some of the aspects that we come to know and recognize they nailed the portrayal of rita we were able to see what zordon was like because we as fans know zordon as like oh hey he's been chilling with alpha for ten thousand years on earth whereas this is the a guy who just woke up and hasn't gotten to be the wise person that we kind of know. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but holy cow, general thoughts. I was so happy that this movie was so good. And I'm sure I will be diving into it more. But I would rather listen to you and Mel uh, talk about it from your perspective. Because, you know, I... I could go for days. Okay. Mel, what is your quick take on it? Okay. So I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I don't have the lengthy history that, you know, Dan has with it. Honestly, I I think I only watched Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and I might've watched a little bit of Turbo too. But other than that, you know, not so much, but I loved it. I thought it was great, especially, you know, knowing so much about the, the first part of the series it, it gave you everything you needed they had great little moments of nostalgia you know things that you remember especially from the beginning of the series so I just I thought it was great we learned more you know about the characters individually they changed a couple of things up and it wasn't super jarring I just I really loved it it was it was great it made me feel like I was five again so great job since both of you are slightly younger than I am, I came into this as someone who really didn't have a connection to the franchise. It missed me by about three to five years. And as a teen who had to put up with kids who were wanting to watch it or enjoyed watching it, I thought it was a little bit cheesy in terms of it's on television. So when the movie came out, I was like, okay. Um, Dan went to it and I saw how excited he was for it. I saw other people on Twitter who really seemed to enjoy it. So like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go watch this and just see what happens. And 
I feel like there's sort of a split in two aspect to the film, and we'll dive into it more, but up through the training, I thought that there was tons of character development, and I really liked how each of the um, team, each of the rangers had their own sort of storyline that made us feel something for them. But then once we got to the big battle, I was like, okay, now this is the cheesy stuff that I remember. Uh, and so I enjoyed the film. It was much better than I expected. But there were some definite eye rolls on my part during the fight sequences when they're going trying to get to Krispy Kreme. Dan, <laughs> what did you think of the Rangers? Did you have a favorite Ranger? Was there any... Um, character that really fit it perfectly for you? Were there any that didn't? I think they all brought an aspect to the character, the original characters, that they the new actors kind of took upon and expanded upon it. Uh, my personal favorite was probably um, Naomi Scott's portrayal of Kimberly Hart, as well as R.J. Seiler's portrayal of Billy Cranston. Um, I thought the two of them just knocked it out of the park um, just with the way that their characters grew and changed, you know, Kimberly being very um, insecure due to the fact that she was in the midst of being ostracized from the, you know, being the popular girl on the cheerleading squad and stuff. And, you know, Billy struggling socially and being bullied because he's on the autism spectrum and kind of learning how to have friends and understanding social cues and stuff of that nature. I, I loved every aspect of that. I, I can't wait to see more from uh, Zach and Trini um, because I, I feel as though they just touched on it on the surface. Apparently, according to Ludie Lynn, who played Zach, there was a lot of his stuff that was cut out and is going to be in the deleted scenes for the Blu-ray release. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but in terms of favorites, Kim and Billy really sold it. Okay. Mel, what about you? Was there one that you, that stood out the most or was there one that disappointed or what'd you, th and what'd you think of the team as a whole? Um, I love the team as a whole. I, I like that it took them a while to actually just come together. Uh, I think that's more definitely on the realistic scale as opposed to, you know, the TV, um, I say my favorite, I really like Trini a lot, you know, she didn't say much, but you know, she, she had a lot of balls <laughs> for a girl. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that was so great. You know, Kimberly was, I mean, back in the day, everybody's favorite was Kimberly, at least from what I can remember. And she, I mean, she was all right. She was kind of ostracized. I was like, okay, we got, we got a little bit more to go with her, but you know, she was okay. I just, I really enjoyed Trini cause she was like, look. I have time for this foolishness. I'm not going to let y'all try to get up in my head. We got to kick some butt, and that's what it's going to be. And I thought Billy was really great, too, because I feel like we all kind of have a friend that's like him that is super intelligent but doesn't really, you know, kind of fit in or doesn't can't catch, like, Dan was talking about the social cues and always likes to talk a lot, and it's just like, okay, okay, wait, wait, just get to the point. Just tell me what the point is, you know? So I, I thought he was pretty great, too. I actually thought that... The team as a whole was done well, but for me, it was the what I considered the quote-unquote supporting characters. I realized that there's a team, but it was Billy, Zach, and Trini who I liked. I, I loved Trini for what you said, Mel. Like, she had balls. She wasn't willing to take any type of 
shit from anybody. I liked Zach's story that he, I love the fact that he was like fearless and would run into anything. But at the same time, you had these emotional touchstones with his mother's story. I love the fact that Billy was the heart and soul of the team and that he basically is like his arc is what ended up making it so that the team themselves could act, get it eventually end up in their suits. Kimberly, she was okay, but she could have been anybody. Jason, I had a hard time with him because, and forgive me for this because it may sound petty, but he didn't look like a teenager. His face always seemed like someone in his mid to like late twenties, and he's and I realized that having watched tons of CW shows where everybody is always ten years older than their character is supposed to be, it that's something that's just par for the course. But for me, it really took me out of the film. He, his and so I actually had to Google it, and it was like, how old is he? And it was like, oh yeah, he's not in high school, anywhere close to high school. And so for me, that that just distracted from him. His character development wasn't that bad, but from a purely look standpoint, I was like, this kid is not in high school. I don't believe it for a second. You're going to have a hard time next season of Stranger Things then. I know. <laughs> I know. It is what it is because that's how, how holiday work, or Hollywood works, but it, it took me out of it. Before we get to the story... What did you guys think of Rita Repulsa? Because that was, for me, my my comment on Twitter was, the only thing I'm going to say about Power Rangers before we discuss it on the podcast is, I need more Rita Repulsa in my life. Elizabeth Banks was amazing in this. And I am a sucker for a diva villain. Mel, uh, Mel what'd you think? Okay, so Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but Rita Repulsa on Mighty Morphin from Power Rangers, wasn't she an Asian lady? Um, there, here's the thing about the character of Rita Repulsa. There have been four to five different actresses Uh. to have contributed to the creation of the character of Rita Repulsa. Uh Uh, During season one, they took footage directly from Japan Uh and it was played by Machika Soga, but it was voiced by Barbara Goodson, who is a Jewish woman. Uh, in, In season two... When she had like a facelift, she was played by Carla Perez, uh, who's Hispanic. Um, and then later on in the movie, I I don't remember the actress's name, but she is of a different ethnicity entirely. And yeah. when she she did a cameo in Power Rangers Mystic Force, she was voiced by a New Zealand actress. So there there have been a wide variety mm. of. Um, different ethnicities and cultures to represent Rita Repulsa. This is one of the first times where it's just a white lady. Okay, so, see, and I, you know, I hate to start there and go there, but that was kind of my first reaction because I was like, Rita Repulsa is a brown girl. Like, <laughs> I don't know, that, that was always my thing. So when she showed up on screen, I was like, that is Elizabeth Banks. That is not a brown girl. But, not the point, not the point. I just, couldn't remember if I was remembering wrong or what have you. Not the point. But with that said, I thought Elizabeth Banks did a really great job of playing the big bad in this movie. Um, she she put her own spin on it, you know. With Power Rangers being the Power Rangers, Rita Puzzle was always evil, but she was always cheesy evil because that was the show. And this time she was evil evil. She was like, I hope 
all of you die and I'm going to dance on your grave. But it worked. It worked. <laughs> okay. Dan, what'd you think of her? I can't get enough of her. I am really excited for the prospect of a sequel where she has to report back to her boss because holy cow, this movie delivered some great Rita action. She, she was actually menacing in a way that the show could never portray because they, they had to rely on the footage and stuff. Uh, I mean, they couldn't even get the lip flap right half the time with, with the show. If you look at the dubbing, holy cow. Um, but man, Elizabeth Banks really knocked it out of the park and really took a lot of risks with that. I know she did interviews where she's like, yeah, that was four hours of makeup every day. But at the end of the day, it was really worth it because she really committed to the character. And as jarring as it was for Goldar to just kind of be a monster of the day type character yep. who isn't yep. really a character. Um, it was kind of worth it to have Rita be this good. Like I miss Goldar. Don't get me wrong. I really missed Goldar in this movie. They did not do Goldar justice, but they, they sacrificed Goldar to make Rita better. And for that, I got to commend them. So let's talk a little bit about that because I, like I said, I am not familiar with the franchise so much, but the big, what should I say? Crystal, hunting golden that the monster monster that was was that that's supposed to be goldar is that basically what they did they adapted it yes goldar on the show was like rita's sidekick pretty much he would like carry out all the evil plans for her and he was on every week and he had a face he was like a like a monkey type thing with wings and he was gold but yeah he he was like he was a recurring character on the show, but this one, they made him huge and, you know, he's out to, um, get the Zeo crystal. So it was, it was a, a bit of an adaptation and it was interesting. And I agree with Dan that Goldar did not get justice because Goldar would always make these cheesy jokes and they were terrible, but funny at the same time. So I agree. Not okay. only that, but with, with the character of Goldar before the show even started, when he was sealed with Rita, he was helping her conquer planets and he had this rivalry with Jason and eventually Tommy. And like later on when he, he and Rita's brother get amnesia by setting off an explosion that blows up the command center and they eventually become Vulcan skulls butlers. And there's a whole comedic part of uh, Power Rangers Zia where they're just butlers, which is bizarre, but it was funny. Um, and yeah, no, I just, I, I missed Goldar. I missed Bulk and Skull. The... Okay, can we talk about that? Because I was waiting for them to show up in this movie and they never showed up because I was like, we have to have Bulk and Skull. We cannot have a Power Rangers week without them. And they didn't show up. It's so but that's disappointing. that's what you get for sequels. No, they have no. to be like, even if it's like five seconds, we need Bulk and Skull. Like, mm-hmm. I was hoping that redheaded bully guy was Bulk. He yes. is not Bulk. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, if they portray, like, if that guy's name is just Bulk and he, like, acts the exact same way, you could have him do the exact same things. Just name him Bulk. Do it. Right? And they didn't. And it was just, oh, uh, oh come on. Okay. So we need to explain to Luke who Bulk and Skull are. 
because yeah. I don't think you you were speaking me. Greek to me because, like I said, this is before my time or after my time, shall we say? So Bulk and Skull are two bullies, but they're not very good about they're not very good at being bullies. They're not smart. Uh, they're not smart. They're the <laughs> dumbest people out there. They hit on Kimberly and Trini constantly, and they're always getting rebuffed. Um, they try and thwart the Rangers in like little petty ways, like I I don't know. They'll they'll get inside Jason's head because Jason's trying to beat the bench press record that Bulk had. You know, some some little stupid things. They'll start a food fight in the middle of like a a, a charity event where they're selling food it's it's like little things that just kind of add up and at the end of the episode it was always great to have bulk and skull around because you could take the rangers seriously as heroes and you didn't have to laugh at the rangers jokes because the rangers themselves as characters were never that funny um but you know at the end of the episode Bulk accidentally splits his pants or has veggie chili poured on him, and it's hilarious, and there's a freeze frame, and suddenly we're saved by the bell. Okay. Um, and to not have those characters mm-hmm. who are pretty beloved overall, it was it was a different experience. It was a different take on Power Rangers, especially when you have bullies built into the storyline in the movie. That yeah. I can I can understand that. What did you guys think of Zordon? I thought it was a very good, different take on Zordon. Because from what I remember, and this is just me seeing the first, you know, the first series in the movie and everything. When they revealed Zordon, you know, not in his power frame, it was the most disappointing shit as a child ever. (laughs) Because it was like when in Star Wars, when you finally got to see Darth Vader without his mascot, it was kind of, they're pretty similar in my mind, like Zordon was just this old guy and he was like part tree branch. And it was like, are you kidding me? This is, this is Zordon without the power friend. So it was upsetting. So when we started this movie, the updated version where you see Zordon and you know, he's actually this whole person and he, you see that he, you know, he was a ranger and which one he was and everything. And now I like the way that they updated the power center and they have him, you know, he's this moving screen. I thought that was really interesting too. So um, I liked Brian Cranston as Zordon. I just thought it was a really good take. And this Zordon, he was a little bit more mm, like tough love. Yeah, he was definitely, he was a little bit more tough love. Because Zordon was always, Rangers, I need your help. Rangers don't fight, no. But this one was like, look, y'all gonna fight, y'all gonna get out. Because I don't have time in or out which one is it gonna be. Stop letting all my air out of this power center, you know? So okay. he was he was definitely a more tough love dad kind of figure, but I liked it. It worked because this is a more realistic portrayal, so it worked in this instance. Dan, uh, I really like that we're seeing Zordon without patience in in some capacity, um, because like I was saying before, he had ten thousand years hanging out with Alpha, doing nothing on Earth during the show, and just developing patience and waiting for any possible threat to hit earth. And in this, he's waking up. He's like, okay, I don't have a body. 
here's a way for me to get my body. Also, Reed is about to attack and take the Zeo crystal and destroy Earth, and he's she's gonna she's gonna resurrect Goldar, and there's a whole thing there, and she betrayed my team, and I'm still processing all of these feelings. And he's a very emotional person, and it's it's really different. Um, I'm not I'm not saying it's like a good or bad difference. It's just kind of like whoa, okay, different dude. Um, but it's I I thought Brian Cranston did a really great job. He he definitely pushed the character to some new places, and seeing how. He, his relationship with Jason developed as time went on is really interesting and kind of how he treats um, Alpha 5 as a whole. Because during the show, they were kind of equals. You know, he was pretty nice to Alpha overall. Um, it In this, it's kind of a little more master... Um, just kind of employee kind of thing. I'm the boss and you are my employee kind of robot person in the wall dynamic. Um, I, I, I was more interested in the changing of, they changed up Zordon science because in the show he's in a time warp and every once in a while, Rita would do something to cause him to just short out and he'd be gone and they would have to search for him and it would take like a whole episode or maybe a couple episodes and he'd be gone for those times and it would just be fuzzy. It would look like, like an old TV where it was just, um, but, and then they would eventually find him and reach his signal and broadcast him back and he'd be fine. It would be great. But then the movie was like, nope, he's actually in the tube. Let's slice it. And then later on in 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 space, he transfers himself. No, Turbo slash in space where he transfers himself and gets captured and then has to sacrifice himself to save the universe. Needless to say, the movie did a great job. Okay, so since this is going to be a shorter episode, I want to get to a couple things. First of all, uh, from what I understand, there was a lot of controversy about the suits. What did you guys think of the suits? I thought the new suits were dope. Okay. <laughs> There's really no other way to put it. Like, in this, well, in prior version, you know, they've, they've always been these spandex suits with diamonds on them and the wings and the helmets. And in this one... The armor is like part of your skin. It's like a crystal overlaying and uh, it's a part of you now. And I just thought it was really dope and they just really look great. And it was a great way to update how they morph. Okay. Uh, Dan, what'd you think? I thought it fit perfectly with the aesthetics of the storyline and how uh, Zordon kind of originates all of that stuff. I mean, they went as far as to create like a whole new language for Zordon and his people, even though they did, never name dropped his planet. Longtime fans know it as Eltar, but needless to say, the the suits did a great job of kind of being up to date. Like Billy was talking about, we're more like Iron Man than uh, than Spider Man. Even though I think this movie kind of uh, just stole some of Spider-Man Homecoming's thunder in being the Breakfast Club meets superheroes. Just throwing that one out there. Um, but yeah, no, the suits... 
I honestly, they couldn't never go back to spandex because the show, nope. the the show kind of owns that. So if you're going to go a different direction, this is the di- only direction you have to go with. I also want to talk about the CGI um, from the Zords to uh, Goldar to the fight sequences. This is where this like I was really enjoying all the character moments for up up until we got to the big battle. I was like, this is like Teen Logan. There's all this character stuff going on. I'm not expecting this in a in a, a Power Rangers movie. And then we get the big battle sequence. The Zords come out. They do look cool, but the CGI felt to me like if you're going to make this for the big screen, maybe you should improve the CGI for Goldar. To me, it didn't seem like that great. Maybe they were trying to keep the cheese factor, but the Zords by themselves to me were okay. But when they got to Megazord, I thought that was cool. I did find it interesting that like the television show from what little I watched and remember of it, they had power lines everywhere, which seemed to be something that I remember vaguely. And I don't know why. So what did you guys think of the CGI? Dan, you first. Uh, I thought it was all right. Um, it's leaps and bounds better than the last two movies mm-hmm. in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and because those, uh, those movies were not ready for CGI to exist yet, and they still went for it and failed miserably. But in this one, they did a good job. Um, they definitely conveyed the point that Goldar is like melted gold personified and put a spell on. That's a whole thing. Um, and they used the CGI smartly to convey in the story like Goldar is still protecting Rita. Because when Billy does that blast and Rita and Goldar are on the ground... Goldar kind of his gold rushes to Rita to kind of help revive her and protect her kind of thing. So that the CGI kind of delivers like one out of maybe two character moments we get from a characterless Goldar. So I appreciated that. Um, but Megazord was fine. It, it was serviceable. I thought it was a little weird that they pulled out those swords out of the back. I was all, up a weird choice but i'm like all right whatever um because there's no way that they could summon it the way they used to summon the power sword where it's just falling from the sky out of nowhere now i i zordon is not that well prepared in this version to be able to do that um but yeah no it's all right okay mel so as Dan just said, compared to what it used to be, this was amazing. But, you know, compared <laughs> to today's standards, I mean, it was okay. But seeing as it's a Power Rangers m- movie, I, I, in my head, I was like, I feel like they just kept it that way because everything used to be so cheesy and kind of still is. So I just felt like it fit right in for a Power Rangers movie. Okay. Yeah. Dan, um, or I guess to either of you, but did you guys stick around for the uh, post-credits? Because Absolutely. I was I was walking out of the theater and someone like shouts in the theater, there's post credit se- seeds. And I was like, it was a decent movie, but I'm not sticking around. What were the post credit scenes and um, what did they give away? The teacher who is kind of in charge of the detention says we have a new student uh, joining us uh, um, for detention on Saturdays. And then he says his name and we zoom in on the desk and it's 
he keeps saying, Tommy Oliver, is there a Tommy Oliver here? And we see the desk and on the chair by the desk is a green jacket. The character of Tommy Oliver um, becomes the Green Ranger. He is like the most popular character, arguably, of all time. Uh, to the point where the original, like Tommy Oliver's actor, Jason David Frank, as well as the original Pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson, actually had cameos during uh, the aftermath of the Megazord fight. Um, and see, I saw her, and my first thought okay. was Felicity! Wow. <laughs> You want to let me tell you about what happened, okay? In in my theater, all right? So we're watching it. So as the end of the movie, I'm like, man, this was really great. And then all of a sudden, the original Kimberly and Tommy are on my screen. And when I tell you, my roommate and I and the rest of the people in this theater lost their shit. I mean, we lost our shit. I was in this theater squealing like, oh my god, oh my god, freaking out. Because it was them. It was it was the Power Rangers. It was fantastic. I don't remember the last time I freaked out like that in a theater. So it was fantastic. And Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, who we need, we need him, is has to be part of the sequel. I want to see how they're going to fit him in. I want to see if they're going to do the whole Green Ranger, loses all his powers, and then goes to be the White Ranger. Because I remember that story, like, the waiting. The waiting. <laughs> it was like three episodes you had to wait and see, like, what ha- what happened to the Green Ranger? Are they going to have a new Ranger? Oh, they're going to have a new Ranger. Who's the new Ranger going to be? Like, oh, my God. It, mm, yeah. That's some Power Rangers history right there. Absolutely. And part of the, the whole thing is when Tommy is introduced as the new kid, he eventually gets basically chosen by Rita at, to become her evil Green Ranger. Yep. So he spends five, like he spends five episodes fighting them on the side of evil and the Rangers are defeated. He single handedly hands them their tuchus and it just, it's such like an important part of the story for them to tell this story. Like they need to tell this story but I don't know if they're going to do it for this movie. Right? I hope they're, they're going to do it because seeing the Rangers battle another Ranger that's human, like, because that's part of the thing where they can turn off their brains and be like, okay, these are aliens uh, defeating Earth or like challenging Earth and they want to conquer it and destroy it. And that's a whole thing. But the minute you're like, wait a second, one of them is human, one of them is in our classes. Like, what do we do? There's such, like, a moral gray area that this movie feels like it should tackle because there's so many times when they're like, yeah, we're going to go kill Rita. Let's vote to kill Rita. Yeah. Then that right there was one of the things that took me out of it because I'm like, these teens who have just come with into their suits and le- are learning about Rangers are immediately like, we need to kill somebody. That felt a little rushed to me. Yeah, that's why in the show they always use the word destroy and not kill. Because, like, you can destroy things and sort of get away. And also, at the time, the the 90s were not... Censors were not super kind to fighting and martial arts and the word kill, just in general. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... 
I, I, I could see that perspective where it's kind of like they hadn't even morphed yet and they're voting to go. They're kill. already talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that was one of those things that took me out of it. Like Dacry, uh, seeming too old. Okay. As we wrap this episode up, any final thoughts, anything that really stuck out, stuck out for you that you really loved, or was there anything that was glaring to you? Dan, you first. Um, I loved all of the Easter eggs so much. There were so many great Easter eggs in this movie, uh, from Jason's dad saying, uh, on the phone that he was on the corner of Mariner Bay and Reefside, which are both cities in the Power Rangers universe, uh, from Billy dying in the ocean and being near like all the fish and stuff where like the original character of Billy had a fear of water and fish. And that was a whole thing. Um, and which was ironic because at the, at his very end, he ended up, uh, falling in love with a fish person. That was a whole thing. That's how they got. Because of course. Um, yeah, he went off to the planet Aquitar and that was a whole thing. Uh, so, but yeah, no, the Easter eggs were great. The actors were great. The characters were great. I'm loving um, people's reactions in, in terms of like not only fans, but like people who watched it in the 90s or people who hadn't really thought to watch it. Because like there's a lot of people that look at these movies and they're they're like, well, I, you know, these this is too nerdy. This is too geeky, you know, but let me go watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Let me go watch Spider-Man. Let me go watch Justice League and let you know, but your your stuff is too nerdy, and I'm like, right, oh, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're part of the same bag of Gardettos here. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say too nerdy. I would say too cheesy. I, I mean, cheese is part of it, and there's no doubt about that. But that's part of Power Rangers' DNA. That's that's true, part of who true. we are, or who the show is rather. Uh, no, you're definitely a Power Ranger just in disguise. Of course. Uh, or maybe that's Transformers. Um, more than meets the eye. Uh, Mel, final thoughts. What'd you love? What stuck out for you? Um, I really liked the update to the putties. Um, Rita's little minions. I thought that was really interesting because the putties back in the day were just, they were sad. I was five and yes. I was like, these things are scary. This is not. <laughs> and they made this noise. They made this noise. Ridiculous noise, and my dad used to walk around the house making the noise. Not the point. Um, so I, I thought they did a really good job redeeming themselves for the putties. Um, when they finally, the Rangers finally morph, and they're trying to go defeat Goldar with the Zords, and you see the scene, and in the background is the Power Rangers music. God, that was such a great moment because it was like, oh my God, they're back, they're back. Is the Power Rangers? They're back, and they're awesome. Um. And let's see. I also finally like them saying it's morphing time because in my head I was like, "You guys can't morph because you're not saying it's morphing time." Like, <laughs> hello, you have to say it. You have to let it be known so it can happen. Yeah. So then they finally say it and then morph. It was great. But I thought this was a really great reboot to the series, and it had just the right amount of nostalgia and just the right amount of realism and cheese for me to be excited for whenever they make. The sequel, I will be there. I loved it. Okay. Um, my final thoughts are that I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And I actually was like, I want to see a character-driven 
teen storyline and i'm okay if there's no action because where they were headed with the combat and stuff i really enjoyed the character development in the teens and i was like hmm if only some of the other ya like book adaptations were done had as much character development going on and gave me as someone who is completely not familiar with most of the franchise i mean i'm aware of it but not familiar with it someone to like cheer for or be invested in it'd be really nice if some other ya properties did that so i was pleasantly surprised out of five stars dan what do you give it um i'm gonna go four and a half i okay there there are certain aspects that i while i appreciate I know a lot of people are being critical about, and there's probably room for improvement. Uh, that being said, this is about as close to perfection as you could possibly get. Lionsgate, Savon Brands, I apologize. You guys did a great job, and I think all of the fans would be very proud to have this on their shelves at some point. Okay. Mel, out of five. Out of five, it's a solid four. For me um i thought it was great it's power rangers it was great nostalgia it's a solid four and i'm giving it a three i was really expecting to have it be lower but i was pleasantly surprised um i might push it up to three and a half but some of the cgi just took me out of it um but so i'll give it a solid three uh, you can comment at this on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Write us a review in iTunes. Melody, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at my name at Melody Akles, M-E-L-O-D-I-E-A-I-K-E-L-S. And Dan, where can they find you? Real Dan Pierce, uh, P-E-A-R-C-E. Until next time, so long. See you guys Bye, later. Y'all.